0: As if 2020 hadn't been crazy enough, we've got an election coming up and things are absolutely as volatile as they've ever been in any of our lives. And this is the craziest election season that I can ever remember in my life. So today I want to talk a little bit about elections. I want to talk about voting. I'm specifically going to talk about who I think you should vote for in the presidential race. Uh, You can take it or leave it. Um, we don't tend to meddle in politics, but I think, uh, given the circumstances right now in this country and this time in history, uh, we, we need to, uh, we need to address some of these things. So stick around. We're going to be talking about some things that uh, tend to get people worked up, tend to be, what is, what is the old saying? Uh, don't talk about politics or religion. And today we are going to do both. So it ought to be good. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to No Sanity Required from the Ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a podcast about the Bible, culture, and stories from around the globe. So 2020 is a presidential election year, and historically, we've steered clear of uh, talking much politics at Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, where I'm the lead pastor. Also, the church where I'm a pastor, Red Oak Church, we tend to to sort of stay out of it. But this year has been different uh, between uh, all of the government overreach within the the COVID dynamic, where for a, a, a pretty good season, a pretty good period, there was there was some questionable overreach. Some people would, would argue that there wasn't overreach, um, but it sure felt like it when we were told we couldn't go to church. Um, and it wasn't. I think everybody's okay with it when we were told we couldn't go to church and you also couldn't go to the movies or to Walmart or pretty much anywhere you know, you think back that initial lockdown, which I refuse to call a quarantine because quarantine is what you do to sick people when you make them stay segregated from the rest of society. So we were not in a quarantine. We were in a lockdown and everybody's okay with that for a while. If you think back to, the initial instruction was, Hey, we need to flatten the curve. Remember that two weeks, flatten the curve, get our hospitals tooled up and ready to go, get our medical staff ready to go. Um, sort of slow this thing down so we can be ready to hit it head on as it starts to work through our society. And then that turned into a month and two months and three months and four months. In some places it's still going on, California, New York, places like that. Uh, and, and, in my home state of North Carolina has a lot more regulation and restriction than a lot of places w- that we're still dealing with. And I think Virginia is the same way neighboring state. Um, so it, this is a, this is a season where people are thinking about and talking about government in a way they never have before. And I think people are talking about voting with this at the forefront of their mind. And so add to that riots and the defund of the police lobby and Antifa and BLM and the intersectionality of those organizations with the LGBTQ movement. Um, it's crazy times, times like we've never seen in our lifetime. And so I, I want to address why I think it's so important for Christians to vote. Um, but also how I think Christians should vote and, and how I'm voting and why. Um, and we addressed a little bit of this in the last couple episodes, um, we looked at different aspects of government and our government system. And, uh, and, and one of the things we looked at in the last episode was ways that we can be actively involved and engaged. And one of the easiest is to vote. If you're 18 or older then then you need to be registered to vote and you need to vote. But, um, let's walk through this. Let's walk through, uh, what is driving me to vote for Donald Trump, for the presidency and Dan Forrest for governor in North Carolina And Tom Tillis is the senator that's up for re-election in North Carolina. And Madison Cawthorn is the congressional candidate that I'll be voting for. Now, there's a number of other people up for election, but those four kind of give you a, I think that gives a good overview. They all happen to be Republicans. Let me say that in 2016, I did not vote for Donald Trump. In 2016, I did not vote for Donald Trump. I did not vote for Hillary Clinton either i i voted third party and let me tell you why a lot of people would say well you threw your vote away and uh and i and i don't believe that's true i believe i voted principal and at that time i did not believe donald trump so when he would say i'm going to appoint to you know to these federal judge positions i'm going to appoint conservative pro-life judges i was like i just don't i don't know that he will i don't believe him uh he was uh he he had a track record that did not sit well with me as a husband and father, his, you know, his history of, of womanizing and then derogatory comments towards women or sexual comments about women, um, just didn't sit well with me. So I didn't vote for him. Um, just didn't vote for him. Not, not ashamed to say it. I've never hidden that I did. I'm always real quick to say I did not vote for Hillary Clinton cause I didn't. And, uh, and if I would have only had those two candidates, I would have voted for Trump, but, uh, in, in America, you don't only have two candidates, even if, even if they're the only two on the, on the ballot, you have a write-in option. So, which is what I actually did. And so what I did is I wrote, uh, I wrote, a, a candidate in, uh, in the write-in option. That's what I did. Uh, I'm voting for Donald Trump this time. And here's why I want to, I want to walk through, uh, about a half a dozen reasons, a half a dozen things. The first one is I vote pro-life. I vote pro life. Uh a lot of people will say I'm a one candidate issue uh voter. I'm I'm a one issue, I'm sorry, not one candidate. A lot of people will say that they are one issue voters. They'll say I vote based on uh a woman's right to choose or based on the the right of the unborn to live. And so pro life or or pro abortion either way, um people will vote based on that. So I I'm I'm close to a one issue voter, I would say. Um, if you had two candidates who were both, uh, pro abortion, then I think I would, I would pan out and look at bigger picture, which of these candidates is going to put, uh, is going to make policies that will make abortion less likely to happen, for instance, or that might be supportive of restrictive uh, abortion, something like that, you know but but when I say pro life what i 'm talking about is the goal is the ab- abolition of abortion the same way that in this country we fought to abolish slavery, we need to fight to abolish abortion, and there are those who would say that over the last thirty years we have not had um, a a, a, wor- a move or a fight to abolish abortion. What we've had is typically pro-life candidates have fought for restricted abortion, and and I think we need to fight for the abolition. So so to the point, Jeff Durbin, uh, pastor out west and guy that heads up Apologia Ministries. I'm sure a lot of our listeners listen to him. He would argue that it needs to be criminalized so that abortion is seen as a criminal act. Um, so we want, it, we want it done away with. That's the bottom line. We're fighting for the innocent, the right of the innocent. This is biblical in, in a, a lot of different ways, both in terms of the sanctity of life, Psalm 139, for instance. And let me read from Psalm 139. This is what the scripture is very clear on when you talk about, uh, you know, the beginning of life or at what point does a person have purpose or value? Uh, at, at what point is a person a person? And we believe that that happens at conception. Um, And the scripture says in Psalm 139, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know, when I sit up and when I rise down, you discern my thoughts from afar. You searched out my path, my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. And so the psalmist sets this passage or this text up talking about how intimate the Lord's knowledge of us is. Then he says in verse 13, um, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And so the scripture is very clear that, that from the time of conception, um, uh, a human being is, is being created and formed in the image of God. And so we believe that life exists from, uh, the sanctity of life protects a human from conception to death. Uh, so, there's that, but then also um, we look at the heart of God towards the marginalized, the poor, the destitute, those who can't fight for themselves. This is why Christians have led the way, and true Christians, not things that have been done in the name of Christianity, but true Christianity has been at the center of the abolition of slavery, the removal of Adolf Hitler, Adolf Hitler uh, and the Nazi uh, Third Reich, you know the, the the Holocaust that was occurring against Jews. Christians have driven that; those types of battles, and so we need to we need to be at the forefront of the fight for life from conception. Donald Trump has has been the most pro life president that this country has known since since it became legal to have an abortion. Um, in fact, let me read from. Let's see. This is from DISRN. Um, forget what that stands for. But it's the guys that started. Well, it's a good. It's a good. Uh, it's a good conservative um, political media outlet. Trump announces he will sign born alive executive order. This is uh, September twenty fourth, two thousand twenty. Trump announces. Um, he will sign the born alive executive order, mandating medical care for babies who survive abortion attempts. He announced in a video announcement played Wednesday at the national Catholic prayer breakfast. The order said the order, he said, will ensure that all precious babies born alive, no matter their circumstances, receive the medical care that they deserve. He called ensuring such care, our sacred moral duty. Uh, so why is that important well if you if you recall or paid attention in the news a year or two ago president of I'm, I'm sorry the governor of Virginia um he he basically said that if a baby was born who was unwanted that that baby could be left to die on the table just let the baby die whether that's a botched abortion or whatever like so a a a child's life is not protected even outside of the womb uh, and so this is a step beyond uh, what you would call late-term or partial-birth abortion. So when and, – and I don't want to – maybe someday we'll do a full-on uh, episode about abortion. But the bottom line is in 1971 or 2 or 3, whenever that was, that Roe v. Wade was passed, early 70s, there were there was a lot that we didn't know that we know now. Now, that didn't mean mean it was okay. We did know that life was – you know, began at conception and that God had ordained life from conception, so it was wrong – and it was dark and it was sinful that that murderous act was passed. But now um, we know, even just through technology, so much more about what that child goes through. And so, if, you know, over the course of time, in the last 50 years, we've moved to a place where abortion is not just first trimester, but it's partial birth or late, late birth uh, or late trimester abortion, um, late term. Which is brutal. It's it's literally the the graphic killing of of what is clearly a small infant human. Um, it's brutal, and so now this step further, saying uh, even if that child's outside of the womb, it can be killed. Just a, a constant erosion of morality and in a, a murderous path that people like that governor from from Virginia will will give an account for. We saw that in in the last episode when we talked about government leaders and how they're going to answer to God for what they do. But we're going to answer to God. All of us are. And I I would even say for those women that have had abortions or those men that have pushed for abortions and funded it, there is forgiveness and grace. But it's forgiveness and grace that's extended because we are murderers, because we have murdered. And so we need to receive that forgiveness and that grace. So the first reason I'm voting for Donald Trump and Dan Forrest and Tom Tillis and Madison Cawthorn pro life second reason uh worship freedom uh, they're, they're, these are men that um and and we happen to have uh in in my voting district it's it's four men that i'm naming but uh, men or women that are going to defend freedom of worship, and we've seen from the very beginning of our country 's existence a deterioration of of those freedoms and we 're still in a pretty good place, but this covid pandemic has exposed the left and their agenda to erode the freedom of worship we 're headed to a place where you will be um, you won't be able to stand and preach the word of god if it if it is in the least bit offensive to someone 's lifestyle and so you 're talking about Limiting what a pastor can say from the pulpit would mean that he cannot say anything that the Bible says that contradicts um, the morality of a secular government, something like that. So these people all support the freedom of, of pastors and churches and, and to be left alone. So the idea of the separation of church and state never meant that the that the state wouldn 't protect churches and wouldn't protect pastors, it never meant that the the state would take a hardline stance against religion. It just never meant that we this country this country was built and forged in a in a fight for religious freedom so uh, the, these people all represent that they're going to fight for that. Uh, I would even say concerning donald trump i I really felt like there's no way I would trust that that man was a Christian when he was coming in. And I still wouldn't say that. I think that he is, but he something has gone on where, um, and I could do, I could do without his, the insanity and craziness of his tweets. Somebody needs to rein his tweets in. I think, you know, um, he needs somebody that, that'll monitor and handle those things. But at any rate, there's a different tone in his voice when it comes to conversation about the things of the Lord. And so I hope and pray that there's been a genuine move in his heart, but whether there has or or not, um, I'm not voting for a pastor. I'm voting for a a president. And so I have voted for non-Christian presidents before or presidential candidates. Um, including, I think probably Ronald Reagan, I I think it's questionable whether he was truly a, a, a Christian, like a born again Christian. I don't know. I don't know. You don't know the hearts of people, but, um, worship freedom. That's, that's the next one. Um, I think, uh, The appointment of judges is huge, is a massive deal because um, judges, most of these judge appointments are appointments for life. And Donald Trump said he would appoint conservative pro-life judges, and he's done just that. He's appointed over 300. Over 300 judges sit on the benches of courts in this country, uh, and those are judges who will defend the lives of the unborn. Now, he's already appointed two SCOTUS judges and is is looking to appoint a third, all of those will have been conservative pro life choices. Um and if he is re elected, I think there's a good chance that there'll be a fourth and possibly even a fifth appointment, which would be just unprecedented that he would get five if he would get five appointments in an eight year term. Um but for sure I think four is very realistic. So those those judge appointments, very critical um to the protection of religious freedom and the life of the unborn. Um the military, his taxes, I mean, his stance on the military taxes and the Second Amendment. Here's some other things. Um, he's, he's very pro-military, strong, uh, strong national defense. That's a big deal. Um, I think his immigration reform is solid. Um, I think that he does uh, – he's been painted as someone who is very anti-immigration. He's not. He just wants it to be done right. And I think you have to read – you have to not get your info from Fox News or CNN, either extreme. You need to read policies and and um, and legislation and, and the things that he writes and says and does. And he's not anti-immigration. He just wants it to be done right in a way that keeps our our country um, safe and where we can bring people in to this society in a healthy way. So military immigration taxes, um, small government that comes from the way that taxation occurs. Let's let's shrink the size of the federal government. Um, and then pro second amendment, the right to bear arms. Um, those are all issues that are secondary to the pro-life and, and freedom of worship and the judge appointments. Uh, he's, I believe he's the president of equality. The, the media, the liberal, the liberal left and the media would have you think that he's a racist, which is ludicrous when you just look at what he's done. From a policy standpoint, he is far, he has fought far more for equality. And, and I know I've got black brothers who like I love, like I dearly love black, uh, black uh, African-American brothers and sisters, black and brown friends and, and co-laborers who would who would be in strong disagreement on this. But I again, I think I'm able to come at this. I, I think I've come at this without prejudice towards one side or the other, but to step back and say, let's look at policy. And I believe the liberal policies of the left have ruined cities like Baltimore, Chicago, um, LA have, have devastated and damaged those cities and have kept, um, have kept so many Brown and African-American, uh, men and women, um, in a, in a situation where they almost couldn't better themselves. So I think, I think he's a better, Uh, president for that and I know that for a lot of people that's going to be very debatable but uh, again stick to the policies let's look at what he's done Um, yeah I think you can go on but those are the main things and I would say for those who would lean more to the left on these issues I I would say uh, in in looking at the intersectionality of the left Antifa Black Lives Matter um, LGBTQ movement those that are joining up to push back against, um, those on the right. It's, uh, just look at what they each stand. Read, go to BLM, go to black lives matter, read from there, what we believe or what we stand for document. I read it. I read that in church recently. It is crazy. They, they a hundred percent support the, the deconstruction of the biblical family with a father and a mother and children operating in, in a, you know, in a biblical manner as a family, um, and just some other real disturbing things. So that being the case, I will cast my vote, um, in November and I hope that you will too. And I hope you'll think hard about this. Um, cause I really do think there's a lot at stake. The The last thing I would say is if, if the guy I vote for doesn't win, I, I, I don't lose sleep over it. Um, we move on and we continue to do what we've been called to do. And I'll continue to, Reach out to my senators and congressmen, and and uh, write letters and emails and make phone calls. I'll continue to be a voice for the unborn, um, but I'm not gonna. It's not the end of the world. Where I think when what we're seeing from the left is that when they don't get things that go their way, they they pitch the equivalent of a temper tantrum that involves burning city blocks and looting apple stores. You know, at some point, antifa, BLM, and LGBTQ communities decided that if they could link up with wealthy white people um they could steal nike sneakers and iP- iphones and ipads in the name of fighting for racial justice it's just absolutely ludicrous i think people are i think people are done with it they're sick of it so i don't think people are falling for it anymore you're not going to shame people into aligning yourself with one of those organizations so uh, i know this is probably a controversial episode and i'm okay with that um let us know what you think email us or leave comments give us a rating um go thumbs down and zero stars whatever but but we want you to be honest so um i hope it's helpful and um and uh i I think it was i there have been a lot of requests to talk about these things so these last three episodes i hope they've been helpful and i hope you know that uh we're not going to turn into a political podcast we'll be right back at it in the next episode covering the things that uh that i think our, our listeners are most interested in hearing um thanks for tuning in to no sanity required and we'll see you next time thanks for listening to no sanity required please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating it really helps visit us at swoutfitters.com to see all of our programming and resources and we'll see you next week on no sanity required